Hey, I just launched the new YouTube channel for Technically Speaking. I don't have 100 subscribers yet to get that custom URL. So you'll have to search Technically Speaking in the search bar for the time being. Invite your friends, family, or the whole neighborhood while you're at it and tell them to subscribe. I'm Harrison Wheeler, and you're listening to Technically Speaking. This is episode two. Today's guest is Brooke Scott, founder, owner, and executive coach of Merging Path Coaching. What does it mean to manage in times like these? Brooke says management responsibilities need to switch from driving performance and efficiency to taking care of our people and letting them know that you care. By the way, this is how it should have been all along. We'll dive into topics about how to drive meaningful connections by deep listening, speaking honest truths, and asking the right questions. Thanks everyone for joining. Just a quick intro, my name is Harrison Wheeler. I am a design manager at LinkedIn. And just to give you all an overview of of this series, so I've, I've started this podcast slash webinar learning series called Technically Speaking where, you know, the, the goal is just for, for you all to be able to level up, right? I think we have a lot of conversations on portfolios and how to get your foot in the door, but I really see an opportunity for us to really benefit on uh, how we can level up our career. And I'm willing to really kind of bring in things that have helped me uh, in my journey throughout a, a, as a UX designer and moving into management. So why don't we get started, Brooks? Yeah. I would love for you to, to give everyone in the room an introduction about yourself and a quick background. Yeah, yeah, awesome. Thanks, uh, thanks, Harrison. First of all, man, it's great to great to see you and talk to you again, man. I think sometimes when when people do these these things, they they kind of practice beforehand. But I just want to let everyone know <laughs> we have not like we talked to set this up, and that was it. We've both been so busy, we didn't get a chance to meet till now. So you can't get any more real than that. So good, good to see you. Uh, yeah, welcome everyone. Thanks everyone for for joining. I, I see some more Oakland peeps in here. I see Becca Tien from San Jose. Uh, great to see everybody. Yeah, a little bit about me. I've, I've been I've been executive coach now for uh, almost three years. I own a company called Merging Path Coaching. So I started doing that. I uh, started coaching while I was the VP of safety operations. I'm at the cybersecurity company over in Emeryville. So I've built large, complex teams uh, from zero to 40 uh, different people. And, and at the whole time, kind of really focusing on diversity and inclusion and bringing that into everything, uh, everything that I do. Um, I teach a, uh, a course on critical on uh, crucial conversations. I have a values alignment course for executive teams, and I teach a course on on feedback. So feel free to give me some feedback when this is all over. You won't hurt my feelings. Uh, before that, I was uh, at Facebook. Uh, I was manager of operations there for the EP team for Mark Zuckerberg and Sheryl Sandberg. So I got to run around the world with them and see some cool stuff. Uh, and then before that, I was a New Jersey State Trooper. Uh, so I did that for about ten years. I was on the protection team for Governor Chris Christie and Governor John Corzine. And then before that, I was a fifth grade elementary school teacher. So interesting kind of career path and life path that led me out here to California. And I bring all of that stuff 
into my coaching, into the managing unconscious bias courses that I teach. Uh, so uh, yeah, that's what I do. And I just love getting the chance to to help people and and uh, and watch people grow and and come up through this uh, this this tech industry. So yeah, thank you all for joining. And, and Harrison, thanks for having me. Yeah, and I, I would say just look, with all that, don't mess with Brooks, right? I mean, he's uh, <laughs> he's got quite a quite a bit of experience oh. on the. <laughs> there's 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 a whole there's a whole other side, my friend. There's a whole other side. Yeah, I don't let that side come out when I'm, when I'm coaching. You know, you know the interesting thing, though, honestly, man, it's yeah. cool because like even when I was a state trooper, yeah, uh, and and you know going into people's houses for domestic violence calls and yeah. drug driving arrests, the, the a lot of the principles for how I coach and how I am with people it, it right. lies in there too, and that's what I think makes. Uh, makes makes the best police officers and there's a lot of great uh, men and women that i've that i've served with who have the same mentality so there's, there's some really cool people that do that work yeah no that, i think that's actually really fascinating and i would love to just understand you know when folks come to you what tend to be some of the biggest things that you think would up level their career yeah yeah so you know a lot of executive coaches are purposely trying to land that contract with some ceo at this huge company to kind of really have their impact that way. Uh, my specialty is with people who are brand new to managing, never managed a team before. And all of a sudden they went from being a really good individual contributor. And now they got a team of 10 people that they got to take yeah. care of and they're having trouble. So like, that's my, that's my sweet spot. So what I deal with a lot is, is, is people like that. They're like, Hey, I got, I got some bad communication issues some people on my team and it's yeah. it's not going right yeah yeah you know it, that was actually kind of on the the premise on how we met right and i think it was probably how long ago it was about six eight months yeah, maybe even longer than that yeah. time flies this has been a very eventful uh couple of months but um i kind of came to brooks through something called strive which is around really up leveling folks in their professional careers it's sort of like an executive mba if you will and I, for one, I, it was just a very transformative and pivotal moment for me because if I look at sort of the learnings that I had after that program and I look at some of the situations I had in hindsight, it would have been a totally different ballgame, right? Because like my journey, um, I started as an IC in Chicago. Our company got funded, I think around $30 million, relocated to Palo Alto, and I was tasked to grow a team. And these are folks that traveled all the way, picked up their lives and moved to California. And you can just imagine how nerve wracking that is. But like having that, that playbook would have been so much different. And, and I think like we would have been focusing on honestly different objectives versus sort of like managing chaos. Yes. Right? I, don't think it, I don't think managing necessarily has to be chaotic, right? But I do think there are some pieces of that playbook um, that allow you to be more effective. What are, what, are, what are like some examples of things that could go down a wrong pathway or maybe even give, give us an example of something uh, that could totally go down the wrong pathway, but if you had the proper coaching, it would be a totally different ballgame. Yeah, yeah. I mean, two things come to mind. Uh, uh, first of all, designing an alliance with the people on your team. I had, I had a great coaching call with, uh, with one of my friends recently who just started a new position at this huge, uh, this huge tech company in San Francisco. And both of the teams were, there's two teams and they were kind of merging together. And then this person, he was going to be the manager of both of those teams and having those merged together. And uh, one thing that came up while we we're talking, I was like, listen, you are joining their team. 
right. they are not joining your team. Right. And that, that one kind of statement there, we spent a lot of time kind of talking about that. And, you know, as, as managers, we think that the people are supposed to change what they're doing to respond to us. And it's, and it's not, it's not that way. So yeah. the, the number one thing is, uh, is, is really just behind, uh, kind of positioning yourself and your mindset when you, when you come into these companies, you know, your number one job as a manager is not to manage your people and produce right. productivity and efficiency. Your right. number one job as a manager is actually to take care of your people and let them right. know that you care about them. That's the number one spot. Yeah. Yeah. You, you mentioned something around building a connection. What are, what are ways of like building a connection to foster what you mentioned before? Vulnerability. Vulnerability all day, every day, and kind of putting those things out, uh, those things out in the open. So, you know, one, one example of this is just kind of being comfortable talking about some of the things that you need to work on as a manager. Right. And there's been a lot of conversations around that. And, and, and then also like, hey, here's, here's how I respond to some things. And here's some things that trigger me and I'm working on. Yeah. Uh, and I want to see if you, can, if you can work on that with me. And then giving the person to share those things, those things with you. A quick example, uh, when, I, when I'm coaching people one-on-one, uh, just the way my mind works, I have to like write down stuff because I'm like kind of all over the place. So I tell people while you're talking, I'm going to be like looking over and down and I'm writing notes. I'm not texting. I'm not emailing. This is all in service of you. But what happens if I don't tell people that, right? right. Those subconscious things that happen, someone's right. spilling their life to you and you're like looking away and like it causes some reaction in them. So vulnerability, openness, letting people know your weaknesses and, and letting people know how you, how you operate and, and then asking them how they operate as well. Yeah. And one more thing I probably add there is active listening. Active listening is, is super huge. And, and I think one of the bigger techniques that I've been able, or even most simple techniques that I've been able to apply was not only listening, but also describing uh, how I interpreted that information. Right. And I think some of some of my design team is actually on the call. I've started doing that and I've actually seen them start doing the same thing to me. So I think that's like a really uh, simple way to start driving that connection. And I think too, there's, I don't know, like, I don't know if there's scientific evidence around it, but I will say it allows me to actually deliver better feedback um, oh, to my directs by doing that. Yeah, it, it absolutely does. And, and for those of you who are not familiar with that concept of, of active listening, there's a, uh, it's, it's about being intentional with, with what you're doing when you're, when you're listening. So there's, there's kind of three different levels to listening. And, the, and the, the, first, the first one is being aware of what's happening to you. You know, how many times, for those of you, I'd love for some people to put in the chat function, how many of you have met someone for the first time and as you're shaking their hand and they're telling you their name, name's gone. It happens to me. I'm so, I was so bad with names before, right? You're shaking yeah. someone's hand. The reason why that happens is because we are so concerned with what is happening to us. We're not listening to the other person. We're so like concerned with making sure we say our name the right way. We're like not like I see other people here jumping in here in the chat here, right? So that's the first level. Being aware of what is happening to you. Are you embarrassed to ask a question you know you need to ask? Are you, are you nervous to ask a question, right? Uh, level two is about turning that level one off and being able to really listen deeply to what the person is saying and, and really kind of connecting with them, with them that way. So level two is, is simple to get to if you are good at turning off level one. 
And then finally, you got the third level, which is just this, the listening for everything that is happening uh, in the environment, listening for the things that are being said and the things that are not being said. That's my favorite part of, of coaching is, is I'm actually listening for, listening for the things that you're not telling me because there's information in there, right? Watching body language, uh, watching how people respond, those, those little micro inflections in the face. All of that is like the third level and the highest level of listening. And it's not that we have to be in our level three all the time. You want to learn to jump between the three, but we want to be able to, to, to flex in, in any one of those areas. Yeah. And so, so to that, like listening, when is the proper time? Like we hear a lot about active listening and listening is sort of at the basis of coaching and, and growing. At what point do we respond or do we give feedback? Because I think like I found myself in situations where we can listen and we've talked about this before, like at what point does listening kind of go into this, uh, this infinite loop? At what yeah. point do we sort of process what we say and, and, and communicate back to them our, our feedback? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, generally speaking, it's a, it's a couple seconds uh, longer <laughs> than we think it is. Uh, we're so quick to, to jump right into the answer. You know, I give this example. Yeah. Uh, you know, I ran, a, I ran a protection team at my last job and we have we had all these, these vehicles that we used to use and all the keys were on my desk. So people would come up and they're like, hey, Brooks, uh, where's the keys to the Suburban? And now is not the time to be like, you know, where do you think the keys are? No, here, here's the keys, take it and go, right? But then there's other times as managers where we want to give people the chance to, to kind of talk and kind of vent out what they're, what they're saying, even if we have the answers. You know, there's this, I, I find this a lot with, with people that I'm coaching. There's this this perception that speed and efficiency is the most important thing when we're managing people, right? So Harrison, you as a, as a manager, you know your job, you know, you know UX, you're good at it, which is why you're promoted. The fastest way for you to get something done is to tell your people exactly what to do and how to do it, or you do it yourself, right? Those are the two fastest ways to do it, right? But when we do that, we miss out on the relationship piece. So relationship building, yeah, it takes a little bit more time, um, but that's where people can learn to solve the problems uh, on, on their own. Um, and that's like a really important, uh, really important distinction. So if you look at the arc over time, you will actually have a faster and better result when you focus on the people and the relationship instead of the speed. Yeah, and I, I think with that, one of the things that I'm taking away too is understanding the outcome of the situation, right? Mm -hmm. There's a path for growth if you let folks and give them the, the opportunity to do those things themselves. Yeah. And I think for like, as a manager, that's probably the path that we want to have because if I'm going to tell someone the answer every single time, they're never going to grow and we're going to keep going back and forth. Mm -hmm. um, Absolutely. And you're going to run out of time. Because you're going to have a team of 40 people one day and you're not going to be able to tell every single person exactly what to do and how to do it. Right, right. And I don't, and I, I don't like to micromanage either. So I, I just don't think it's a sustainable uh, approach to things. I want to kind of shift gears a little bit. So we're in a really interesting time right now, right? You know, we've been sort of thrusted into this remote work and a lot of organizations, a lot of people, I think there's a lot of uncertainty in terms of understanding like what the future of work looks like. I think there's, and that could go in many ways, right? Where an organization is going, where your career path is headed. 
and potentially even just getting a job. What, what are like, what are some things that kind of come to mind for you as a, as a coach um, as we're going through this period of, of transition? And I would almost kind of say it's even paradigm shifting, right? Because this yeah. is very unprecedented and it's accelerating things that there are tons of theories about and research around what it could be. We're here right now. Right. And so I want to understand kind of like your perspective and it could be around things that we should not do that tend to be happening and um, what to look out for long-term. Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, that's a great question, man. Uh, wow. So, so many different parts of that. So uh, a, a bunch of things come to mind. First off, uh, a lot of people I'm, I'm speaking with and, and working with now who have lost their, their, their jobs and actually opened up some time on my LinkedIn, on LinkedIn, on my calendar for people who were dealing with isolation and lost their jobs and they just kind of wanted to talk a little bit. And what, I've, what we've been talking about and what I've learned is a lot of people are looking for stability and work in their, in their company. So listen, let me, like, no offense to anyone who's owns this, any, who owns a company or anything, but listen, Companies are not built to last. They are not built to last. They're not built to be stable. They are built to live on the edge because living on the edge is where the companies find the most growth, right? So, I mean, look what happened. After two weeks, there's some companies that laid off like 300, 400 people and they're not that big, right? That's proof that they're not built to be, to, to, they're, they're built to live on the edge. And unfortunately, that uh, the the, are, the employees are the first ones who are going to get cut from this, right? So I was working with someone, and she uh, she was like, you know, I really want to find the next job I go to has got to be super stable. And I'm like, listen, stop trying to find stability in companies. What we need to do is build stability and build resiliency in our own lives, right? Because things are going to happen. Like like this this ain't the last time people are going to get cut from their jobs, right? right. But if you have not spent time building stability and resiliency in your life, that's when you're going to have, that's when you're going to have some trouble. So how can we, how can we do that? Yeah. Yeah. And I, that's actually really interesting. I've had on my call today and then even I've in, in subsequent calls around folks that are looking for work. I, there's, there's this interesting theme around where we're at today mm-hmm. and where we would be if the market was healthy. Right. And well, what I'm kind of seeing is that today there's a lack of, of job opportunities. When the market is great, guess what? There's going to be a ton of more competition for that role. Yeah. And one of the things that you can account for in terms of stability is being able to invest in yourself, right? And, and one of the things with designers that I hear quite a bit is my portfolio. Your portfolio isn't your story. It's actually how you keep applying yourself, right? Yeah. And what you have in your portfolio too is a bit of, is sort of a self-reflection, right? Because you can keep going back and refining and then learning and then applying that. To me, that is one of those things where fundamentally and foundationally that will carry through with you, whether the Always. markets are hard or whether they're healthy. And that's again, like your, your truth. And so if you choose not to do anything at all, guess what? You're not gonna be the one that stands out when companies, when there's not that many companies hiring, and guess what? You're not going to stand out when companies are hiring, but yet there's a ton of more uh, competition. So yeah. um, I think that's some, some really excellent advice. And um, that, would, that would sort of be like my, my theme and uh, advice giving to, to designers here and there. Because I've, I've been in this, well, I've been in the situation where the markets were stormed before. And obviously right now, this is very unprecedented. But the one thing that is really, 
um, gotten me through and it continues to is, is continue to be learning, applying that and just seeing that transformation because of those things. Yeah. I, I love that. That is, that is all part of the mix right there. And, and I think the other side of that too is yes, one, you have like building things for yourself, learning things, improving yourself, right? All that can be done. The second thing is being vulnerable enough to tell the people that you love that you need help. You know, we don't got to do all this by our, by ourselves. And that's, that's one thing that I have dealt with in, in, a, in a big part of, of, of my life was thinking that I had to do everything on my own all the time, right? So yeah. if we have not spent time building stable relationships and resilient relationships before all this happened, we're going to have a tough time when this, when this comes back, right? So to your point, like learn, build, Right. Don't just like, listen, I, I, I know it's tough. I know. I know a lot of people are hurting right now and we're not out of this yet. And I get it. And I feel for those people. And at the same time, we can start to build each other up. Right. So if we focus on our relationships and we raise our hand and tell people, hey, listen, I'm having a tough time and like I need I need some help. That's how we build stability and resiliency. And when we come out of this, you know, I, I, I love seeing everybody spends so much time doing zoom happy hours and they're yeah. calling friends they haven't talked to in, in years sometimes. And I, and I love that. That is stability and resiliency. So yeah. we're doing it now. Are you going to continue that when we come out of this? That is the, the question. Yeah. I, I think that's, that's, that's excellent advice. And I, I almost kind of think in terms of some of my strongest relationships that I've built over the years have mm -hmm. been through that resilience that resiliency, like going through that struggle together. So I'm going to kind of, I'm going to pivot this question again. So yeah. we've been kind of talking about things from a, a lens of a manager. And I, now I kind of want to do with how can you manage yourself, right? And again, just kind of want to relate it back to where the industry is today. When, when we start to see this unstableness, I think there's also opportunity. And you mentioned something around really being authentic and say, and, and with a manager, obviously being like, hey, I'm going through a lot of tough times, right? Yeah. How can somebody manage their career? Let's say they want to, uh, they want that promotion or they want to be challenged more. How would they go about having those conversations, right? Because one of the things that I found super valuable about the coaching that we've had is that there's so many different ways that these learnings can be and techniques can be applied to a number of different situations, right? I think. Yeah. Salary comes to mind. I mentioned promotion. Um, I think there's something around creating like a job path for yourself. So how would we go about doing those types of things? Being crystal clear with your expectations and making sure your manager is crystal clear on their expectations of you, right? Having those conversations uh, right out the gate. Hey, listen, this, you know, one of the things that we're doing as managers, and this is showing up a lot even more now with the whole COVID-19 crisis, we were really shitty at giving feedback before all this happened. <laughs> and we are even worse at giving feedback now. Like uh, if, if feedback was like a volume dial, that yeah. volume dial is like all the way off. Yeah. Because managers are, are and rightfully so, we're concerned about hurting people's feelings and people yeah. are dealing with anxiety right now, right? Mm. So what I've always done with all of the managers that I've worked with is have that conversation right up front. It's like, listen, feedback to me is not going to hurt my feelings. There's nothing that you can say about my work 
that's going to make me feel demoralized because I'm, I'm, in, I'm in control of how I feel, not you. So there actually is nothing that you can say that's going to make me feel any type of way. Right. Like I feel the way I feel because of me, right? So when it comes to feedback, what I'm going to ask for you, if you see something that I'm doing wrong that needs to be corrected, I, can we have an agreement that you will tell me right away and I can promise you that it's not going to hurt my feelings? Right. It's, mm. it's such a simple thing to do. And then the manager's like, it, wow, I can I can tell Brooks about himself whenever I need to. Right. right. And that's only going to help me grow from there. Yeah. So I think that's a, a really simple thing that we can do for mm. ourselves is like making people uh, feel comfortable in that. And there's a there's a lot behind uh, behind the feelings around feedback. All bad feedback is all around feelings. Right. When we don't want when we don't want to we don't want to feel that. So. I think it's a mind a mindset shift when people say like oh I'm I'm really intimidated by him I'm really intimidated by her it's like she's not she or he is not doing anything to intimidate you like you're feeling intimidated because that's what you are choosing to do to yourself right so when we take that power away from people and we own it it just makes us like we can apply that to so many areas of our life including our career growth Right. So right. like, let's stop, stop pointing the finger and, and the blame on, 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 on everyone. Else. Like be, be clear with, with what you want. Be clear with the people who are in your life who can affect what you want and like, let people know, like, listen, tell me if something's right. off and let's talk about it. Looks like we have a couple, a couple comments here. It looks like, it looks like Katie yeah. said, uh, yeah, I love inviting people to provide feedback. It helps build trust and transparency right out the gate. Uh, Katie, imagine, imagine Katie, if we do that every time we go right. to a new job, but every time we have a new yeah. manager, like that's what it, that's what it's all about. Yeah. Yeah. And, and you know what, that's a muscle that in practice, it's going to get easier and easier every single time. Yeah. I think like once you sort of get past that first path or that first situation, you'll feel so much relieved because it's, it's going to be eye opening to you. Right. And there's an opportunity to practice this. Not only at work, you can practice it with your friends or family uh, with your significant other. Yeah, yeah. Um, Listen, let me tell you a little. Let me tell you a little bit of secret about about yeah. coaching, management problems, <laughs> like not getting along with people at work, and like yeah. every single complex, complicated, crazy situation you can think of at work comes down to like one or two sentences. I don't care. I don't care what it is. I know nothing about UX design. If you put me on your team, like LinkedIn would like, like the K in LinkedIn would like break off and fall on the way. I would mess some <laughs> crazy shit up, right? I know nothing about UX design, yeah. but I guarantee you I can manage the hell out of your team. Right. Because like it's, it's, it's about like focusing on what that one problem is, right? Yeah, but Brooks, you're, you're, not, you're, not, you're not taking my job. Just yeah. understand. <laughs> hey, listen, you, that's, all, that's all you, my friend. You, listen, you don't, want me, you, want, you don't want me doing UX. That's, that's for sure. Uh, but like everything comes down to that one little, one, yeah. one or two sentences, right? So the mm. same thing applies to our personal relationships right. with, with, with our spouses, with our, our significant others, with our friends, it, it all comes down to, to a simple one or two sentences. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just one more thing to kind of add on there. One of the things that I think is very important to understand, especially in this moment, we've been accelerated into this world where we are now in people's bedrooms and their living rooms with their kids, uh, you know, with their other housemates that are also working. And I think like what, what it's actually starting to show and it, it's accelerating this 
belief that there's actually no such thing as like work life and uh, home life. Like they are integrated. Yeah. And the way that you bring yourself to work is, is in effect, you know, a sum of your, of everything around you. And so I think it's, it's, it's one of those things that I hope we continue to do because that draws us closer together. Right. And I think if anything, it's going to facilitate having those conversations, being able to connect with people and people being more forward in terms of where they're at. Because like, I know, like, even from a body language perspective, days that my team aren't really feeling it. And, you know, I think like we've been trying, we've been doing quite a bit of work. Um, and I think we touched on this before the call, like this is not the time to try, try to be more efficient in what we're doing uh, because there's a lot of heaviness that we have to deal with at the same time. We need to be respectful of, of people's mental health and the best way to do that is to check in. Yes. Absolutely. That, that is, it, it is, it is all, it, it was always about that. Yeah. And it's even more about that now. And I think we're, we're starting to realize that as, as managers, like, listen, stop trying to get more out of your people right now. I, I'm, right. I'm, I'm sorry. Like, you know, a lot of people aren't going to agree with that, but, but that's fine. That's, that's how I feel. We need to, we need to take care of each other and make sure we can get through this time right now. Like, listen, everyone's got their own stuff going on. You know, Harrison, let me ask you this. Yeah. And I want everyone who's on here to answer in the chat function here too. It's been about a month since we've had this lockdown here in the, in the Bay yeah. Area. When's the last time you took a PTO day? I have not taken one at all. <laughs> looking, for, looking for some re- responses here. For, for those of you out there, when's the last time you took, you took a PTO day? I see, I see Leanne in there. I see, I see Rebecca Tien. I see uh, Eliana. No one. Yeah. Uh, uh, Vanessa's uh, nope. Vanessa's like, what's PTO? <laughs> Not even this. weekends. Look at this. Yes. What? I, I, I'm I'm actually not surprised. I, everyone who's in here, if everyone just throw it in there, I want to I want to hear from from wow. uh, from everybody, from Katie, from Lior. Who else is here? Brian Waxon, Dennis Lee. What what do we got? December seventeenth, two thousand nineteen. <laughs> that was right, last year. Jack Lee's on a roll. <laughs> She's trying to. She's she's trying to. She's trying to roll it. Too. She's probably already in management. That's why. Wow. Uh, look at this. Someone. So Katie had planned to take off on the fourth um, for a wedding. Wedding was canceled. Right. So so like look mm. at this. This is wow. this is pretty amazing to me, because here we are, completely stressed out, yeah. overworked, uh, and we're we're pushing harder. Our managers are pushing us harder than ever before because we're remote. Because there's a sentiment that we're not getting work done. And look yeah. what's happening. There's not only are people not taking PTO, but they're working seven days a week because home and work is now blended together. Right. So what we need to do, like as manager, if you're if you're on this chat and you're managing right now, I would recommend telling your team next week. I want everybody to take a day off next week. I don't care what day it is, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, everyone's got to take one day off because like we need that break. We're, we're pushing each other too hard right now. And what we need to right. do is get through this time and get through this time together. And then we're going to need to heal because a lot of people right. are, are hurting and going through grief right now. Yeah. yeah and, I, and, I, and I think it's also important to note that uh, we may be in the thick of it right now, but it's going to take some time before we get back to any sense of what we consider normal. Right. Yeah. I think, I think if you have that perspective of, hey, like this isn't always going to be a transition, 
yeah. right? This is actually probably going to be a norm of some sort, right? Like um, in California, at least uh, at LinkedIn, I think we're moving into week six. And so this isn't like a temporary thing at week six, right? We're starting to adjust how we work and we should understand and be flexible, but we need to make space for ourselves to be able to just, for one, uh, take a break. Yeah. But I think also too, I think it's a good opportunity to, to have some, some sort of reflection in terms of how you're managing your life at this point in time. Absolutely. How you're managing your life. And if you are a manager, how you're managing your people. So yeah. uh, us as employees need to take that step and, and like take a day off and, and relax. Yeah. And managers need to create that for, for their employees as well. Right. Yeah. Like Lenore, and Lenore was like, amen, my boss used to do that too. <laughs> uh, they don't work on the weekends. I love it. I only work on the, on the work evenings. If I had, if I had bad concentration during the day, I, I love it. And listen, I'm, you know, we all have to, one of the best things about my, my job when I was, when I was a VP at the last company, um, I would always say the best thing about my job is that I can do some personal stuff on my work time. Yeah. And the worst part about my job was that I had to do some work on my personal, <laughs> personal time, right? Like yeah. I blended, I blended it together. And that's what's what, what I feel for me anyway, is given the, the most healthiest lifestyle for me. Yeah. Yeah. Hey, so, so on that piece for the last question at the beginning of the show, you talked about just the different parts of your career path. It'd be great if you could maybe dive in a little bit deeper in some of the more transformational moments or pivotal moments in, in your career because I think it, it's pretty fascinating that you've gone from, you know, teaching students to working on, as a state trooper to then working in big tech to then managing a, a large enterprise security team, right? So um, just just di- take a little dive into that because I think there might be some some great lessons in that. So the the thing that comes to mind first was uh, you know when I was when I was a state trooper I applied for uh, the Office of Public Information. And I was going to be the, the police officer. You know, you see on TV, something happens and there's some cop that's talking about the details. I was going to do that. It was 15 minutes from my house. I was going to get a dog Monday to Friday. Like I was, I was set. Right. And, and I, and I, and I didn't get that job. Uh, and I was, I was super disappointed. And there's a, there's a, there's a longer story behind this too, that I'll, I'll share with, with some people just in the interest of time. We can't get into it, but super disappointed, man. It broke my heart. And I wanted that job like more than anything else. You know, I, I was disappointed and kind of down on myself. And then I was, I continued work in executive protection. Uh, I was with Chris Christie in, at, at this event in Idaho at the Sun Valley Conference. And that's where I met Mark Zuckerberg. And I met uh, my friend Guy Himmelblau, who's who I'm still friends with. And Guy was like, hey, man, we're, we're, we like how you work. We're looking for someone to join our team. You want to come over? And I'm like, dude, I'm a, I'm a state, tr- I'm a state trooper. Yeah, I'm not, I'm not leaving New Jersey, man. What are you talking about? So we kept in touch and he's like, listen, come, come out and we'll do an interview. If you don't like it, say no. So I was like, okay, get a free trip to California. Yeah. Came out, interviewed, fell in love with Facebook. It's like, I literally, like, it was like out of a movie where they opened the door and it was like angels were singing. On the <laughs> I was like, yo. I'm-. So after the interview, it was, the interview was eight hours. Wow. And I sat in my car for two hours in the rental and I'm like, yo, I think, I think I'm, I think I'm moving to California. Right. Hmm. So the crazy thing, if I had gotten a job with the office of public information, I would not have been with Chris Christie in Idaho. I would not hmm. have met Mark Zuckerberg and my friend guy. 
I would not have come out here. And I literally would not be sitting in this chair talking to you right now. You'd be interviewing some other coach or something right now. Actually, maybe not because we would have never even met. We wouldn't even through, through strive. Right. So when I think about career changes and when we're let go from our jobs, when we're fired from our jobs, when we've invested all of our money in something and that investment blows up in our face, there's a reason behind this. Um, and my hope and my wish for all of you that are on this call and for everybody that I work with is that we can look back and, and connect those dots. So I apply that to my career and all my career changes. It's like, hey, listen, I, I love what I do. I'm one of the happiest people that I know because of the stability and resiliency I've built around myself and friends and family and, and work and, and lifestyle. But when things don't work out and things come crashing down, I stay focused on that next thing. And that's what I think we need mm -hmm. to do now. So listen, I'm, I'm sorry a lot of us have lost our jobs now, but like there's something else coming up for you. So focus on, focus on that. Yeah. I mean, I have, I have a crazy story that, is very similar to that. Um, so I'm going to go back to when I was at Iowa. So after I graduated from Iowa, um, I lived there for about three years, had a web design job. And by the third year, I was like, man, I got to get out of here because there's just so much more out there, right? And, and I'm just, I just want to be in a place that can support my career. So at that time, I was doing a lot of like web design coding work. And I got an email from Google. Right. And I was like, wow, Google, like front end website developer for YouTube. <laughs> oh, my gosh, I can't wait. And so, you know, when, when Google kind of hits you up, they sort of give you the lay of the land in terms of what you'll be tested on. And I was it was like around algorithms and all these types of things. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, I don't I'm not cut out for this. And it had trans the industry had transformed quite a bit. And frankly, I was just very far behind. But I, I you know, I tried to stick it out. And me and the recruiter got on the call and then eventually got to a technical interview and I just completely bombed the interview. And the next week, one of my former dorm, dorm roommates who had lived in Chicago at the time was like, hey, there's a company that's hiring in Chicago I work for that's doing a UX role. Why don't you come, why don't you come through? Why don't you join us? And I'm like, all right, perfect. I can get my foot in the door, learn more about UX. And uh, 10 months later, like I'd mentioned before, we got that $30 million in funding and moved to Palo Alto. I shit you not, a year after that, uh, we were having a happy hour at a bar in Mountain View, and that recruiter from Google was sitting across from us. No way, man. Damn, yeah. So it's, it's, wow. it's one of those things where, you know, things may not manifest in this, like, ideal way, but you should keep at it. Um, yes. Because you know, eventually that path will lead there if, if you have enough focus. And I, I would probably say the same too. It's like the same thing applies to the work that you're doing, right? Like there might be an idealistic vision. You might be working on a project that has all the perfect circumstances and funding, uh, but the real world is not like that. You're going to have to improvise, right? You may be in a situation where your resources are constrained. And so you need to be, be willing and able to, to pivot and have an open mind. Yes, that, that open mind, is, it's all about that. It's all about that. So, you know, you, you, you think you know what you want in life. Yeah. And a lot of times that's, that's not the thing. So we need, yeah. to, we need to stop fantasizing yeah. and focusing on getting exactly what it is that we want. And it's, it's about the process. It's about the push. It's about 
It's about the learning that we're doing, the, the, the stuff, that, the resiliency that we're building, the stability that we're building as we're going after those dreams. But that dream that we're, we're fighting for, it changes. I mean, how many people here, I'd love to hear in the, in the chat here, how many people here are actually in a job that, if you went to college, that has to do with, you, with your major that you, that you graduated in? Probably not that many. You think you, you, you got to know what you're, what you're doing when you're graduating college or when you start work and life, life has other plans, you know? Mm-hmm. When I was, uh, you know, locking up drunk drivers and domestic violence calls, if you thought me, if you, if you told me I'd be, I'd be uh, talking to a UX uh, uh, manager at LinkedIn, <laughs> uh, I mean, LinkedIn even exists back then, but I'd be like, what? I'm like, no, I wouldn't. I'm, I'm in New Jersey at my little house, you know? Well, Brooks, thank you so much. Uh, we're going to wrap up right now. What would, how would folks uh, get in touch with you? Um, tell them more about your coaching service because I'm sure, I think this is a very enlightening conversation. I'm sure they're going to want to tune in more. Yeah, yeah, this is, this is great, man. So first of all, thank you everyone for, for joining. It was, it was super, super awesome to have all of you here. Uh, you can hit me up on uh, mergingpath.com is my website. Uh, the name of the company, Merging Path, is guiding you from, from the path of where you are to where you want to be. So here's where we are right now. It doesn't matter what happened to us in the past. Here's where we are. Let's take this and come together. So you can hit me up on the website. Uh, I'd love to connect with all of you on LinkedIn. And, uh, and yeah, shoot me an email, brooks at mergingpath.com. And, and uh, looking forward to working with all of you and, and all of your teams as well. All right. Thank you so much. And, and everyone on the call, thank you for joining. Awesome. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to today's episode. Make sure to follow or connect on LinkedIn, Medium, Twitter, or Spotify.